Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Every Rocky Ever, a Colorado Rockies podcast celebrating 30 years of this team's history, uh, much more than the actual organization is doing at times. But that's why we're here. I'm your host, Skylar Timmons, and joined always here by my older brother, Dustin. Hey, hey. We're both wearing our isotopes hats. He's wearing his mariachis one. And I've just got the classic isotopes A. So we all catch up here, uh, bringing the show back. And as always, we're part of the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Network. Proud member of the Fans First Sports Network. Coming out with episodes uh, every other Wednesday is the goal. Or occasionally Thursdays, depending on scheduling and all that jazz. But we've got a fun episode today. Uh, we're titling this the Jamie episode, talking about three Jamies in Rocky's history, Jamie Wright, Jamie Moyer, and Jamie Carroll. So it worked out. We usually try to keep these episodes short and three guys that uh, they won't take as much time. Right, Dustin? Yeah. And two of them spelled J-A-M-E-Y. And then that old timer uh, that spelled it J A M. I-E. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it should be a fun one. Interesting career paths for all three of these guys in their time with the Rockies. Uh, notable little moments and things. But I think we'll go ahead and kick it off here with Dustin. This In previous episodes, you've mentioned that this is your guy, one of your favorite idols as a Rocky. Just a, a player that you always loved in Jamie Wright. And before we, I'll have you jump into his stats first, and then have you answer the question of what you love about Jamie Wright. Why, what what is what was so special about him? All right, so we got Jamie Wright, the tall, lanky, right-handed pitcher, who's six six, um, from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. He was drafted by the Rockies in the first round, the twenty eighth overall pick of the nineteen ninety three draft straight out of high school, out of Westmore High School in Oklahoma City. He ended up making his Major League debut July 3rd as a member of the Colorado Rockies. Is He pitched against the San Francisco Giants. It was a very good outing. Six innings, four hits, four strikeouts, two walks, one earned run. Uh, with the Rockies, he, he was a number 19. I remember his number 21, and he had another stint where he's number 16. But... His time with the Rockies, he ended up spending six years uh, from that 1996 season to the 1999 season. And then he came, you know, he made he made a lot of stops. He had a 19-year career, and he made a lot of different stops in Milwaukee and St. Louis, Kansas City. Went back to the Rockies in 2004, 2005, then to the Giants, to the Rangers, to the Royals, to the the, to Cleveland, to Seattle, to the Dodgers, to Tampa Bay, and back to the Dodgers. So 
a really impressive career there towards the end, you know, halfway through his career and they shifted him to a reliever role. And he had a, he had a few really good years as a solid middle reliever. And I was always pumped uh, with the Rockies. He ended up having 35 wins, 52 losses, but we got to remember he pitched in those pre humidor days. And mm-hmm. those guys, it was just a slug fest. A career 540 ERA with the Rockies, 791 innings. And I look at his stats. He had more walks than strikeouts Mm -hmm. in his career with the Rockies. And I always kind of remember that being one of his issues. (laughs) But those those were his stats. He ended up retiring after the 2014 season um, as a member of the Dodgers. So quite, got around for quite a bit. It's pretty interesting. And, and actually, his last game was against the Rockies. There you go. It ended where it began. Yep. And it looks like retiring in that 2014. It did look like, or that was his last stint in the big leagues. Yeah. Signed with the Rangers and then was released during that spring training. And then no, eventually did retire in 2016. Signed as a free agent with the Dodgers. Never did anything else after that. So that was his last. Oh, 2016. So from 1996 to 2016, he was active in professional baseball. Which <laughs> you don't see that as much anymore, especially for, you know, didn't seem like Jamie Wright was really that big name type of guy ever around the league. And it's what, why did you gravitate towards him? Now, what was it about him that you just gravitated towards him? So by the time in 1996, when he made his major league debut at that time, I'm 11 years old, really getting into baseball, paying more attention to the Rockies. You know, I had card collection at the time. And I remember getting Jamie Wright's card and seeing him pitch. And I thought like, man, that guy, I kind of, I feel like I could be like him. He's a tall right-hander, uh, he had the cool little sideburns that were really big at the time. Mm-hmm. And just, a, a you know, he died. He did really well in the minors. A really good minor league pitcher for the, for the Rockies. And I always just thought, man, this guy, he was a first round pick. You know, so mm-hmm. it's, it's not that he was just some guy. He's a number one pick or a first round pick. And, you know, I, you always think like, man, those poor guys, like you're sending them out to the wolves there at Coors Field uh, in those late, mid, mid, late nineties, but he ended up having a, a good career, but it was, it was just, he was that sinker ball pitcher. He wasn't blowing the ball past people. And I just, I remember Jamie Wright, like remember more of his good games than his mm-hmm. bad games. But I do remember, man, it was, uh, it was all over the place all the time, working around with traffic all the time. But he's a guy that I, I always wanted to be. I mm-hmm. imitate his windup, his just the way he was, because I'm a tall pitcher as well. And he was always a guy that I rooted for, even when he was not a Colorado Rocky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one thing. We typically just kind of forget about guys when they go to other teams or we actively root against them, especially if they end up with like the Giants or the Dodgers. But there are those few that, I guess like for Jamie Wright, for you, that you can still root for regardless of the uniform because what he meant to you and whatnot, which is is a pretty cool thing to to see. Uh, And this again, he's... I don't remember him much again because I didn't really start getting into it until I was in sixth grade. So everything before seven, 2007 is kind of foggy for me of Josh foggy for me uh, in, in terms of, of, of remembering guys. But I do remember just even since then of what he meant to you when a guy would, when Jamie Wright would always pop up, you'd always kind of perk up or, Oh, if we'd go to a game and the Dodgers are there, you know, and he comes into pitch, you were always kind of like, "Oh man, he's still going," uh, and you were always excited to see him come into pitch. 
I actually remember a game that we saw him and I was like, oh, I wish I could talk to him. And, oh, you know, fanboying over Jamie Wright, like probably one of his only mm-hmm. big time fans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, it might have been one of those games against the Dodgers and you and I did the little fantasy broadcast booth there at Coors Field. And, and so it probably was one of those day, one of those games that we were at. And he was walking around there, <laughs> warming up in the outfield pregame during batting practice and stuff. But it's cool to see how he was able to turn you know, a fairly solid start with the Rockies pre-Humidor and then turn it into a 19-year career where he was very, still very solid and successful post-Coors Field, post-Rockies, and even came back for a small stint. Yeah, and I remember when he went when he went back to the Rockies. I was like, "Oh man, you know, maybe he'll." I don't know. It's not like he was going to save the sea, but I was like, "Man, just like relive the good times," <laughs> and something. But it unfortunately didn't work out like that. But I was just pumped that he was back with the Rockies, and once again, I could you know, fantasize. Yeah. I'm, I'm him. I can be him. (laughs) And so what was it about, I guess we can get into his windup specifically that what you tried to imitate with his windup. Well, I think more than anything, it's because I was, I was tall and lanky. Mm -hmm. And so him just being that build. And I'd always think like, that's a guy that I could be. He had a simple windup. It was well, nothing spectacular, nothing unique. It was just that's what I'd see, and and you know I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be him. I could do that. He was a sinker ball pitcher, mm-hmm. and kind of some of those first that you know the, that mold that the Rockies have always had of getting that sinker ball going and getting the ground balls. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, for some reason, I always thought like, man, he could probably hit some dingers as a, as a pitch, but he only had one career home run. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, so it was never, it was never anything like it was all as a little kid, how we build these athletes up, these, these players, mm-hmm. when now that we're older and we're looking back, we're like, you know, that he wasn't that great. It wasn't anything spectacular. But in mm-hmm. my mind, as an eleven-year-old, twelve-year-old boy, he meant everything to me, and I had tons of his cards when he was with um, down in the minors. You know, that was that was everything to me. Uh, mm-hmm. This guy, you know, this this player. Uh, I remember I had an uh, had an Asheville uh, tourist uh, card of his uh, when he was in New Haven, and for you know for some weird reasons i'm like oh this is this is my guy he that's just what he was Uh and i think that's the big things like a lot of rockies pitchers he wasn't spectacular but for the most part a just fairly solid guy that could go out there eat some innings you give you a chance to win or just go out there and just kind of be that (laughs) they said eat innings and, and open up room and then get moved to the bullpen, provide some relief there. Uh, kind of that classic journeyman status that a lot of pitchers go through in Major League Baseball history. There's only so many, you know, Randy Johnsons or current guys today like a Garrett Cole and some of those top top of the line Max Scherzers, Justin Verlanders, and the majority of Major League pitchers are guys like Jamie Wright, who some way, somehow, just build a two decade career for themselves in the big leagues and contribute wherever they go. Yeah. And you know, that, that, that says a lot about, you know, his, that potential that he had and making that adjustment too of, of, of finding a niche, you know, once he kind of honed in and throw strikes, mm-hmm. throw strikes <laughs> and you'll have success. Uh, look up some wasn't he one of the first or am i getting my things mixed up of one of the first rockies pitchers to have an era below a certain 
number or is that somebody else? Um, I would probably think that was somebody else. Yeah, probably. He had in yeah, in all of his in all of his Rockies years, it was well above four. You know, he <laughs> hovered roughly around five. We'll say. Well, with his with his whole time added all together, uh, it was a five forty ERA. Hmm. Anyways, <laughs> there's a lot of those guys like that. I know there's somebody like that. I can't remember who it was, but yeah. So Jamie Wright just paving it out. May not have been the the greatest star in Rockies history. Probably doesn't rank very high on the Rockies pantheon of starting pitchers, but still a solid contributing member. But a, a solid answer for any immaculate inning. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We you know, start putting him on the grid. Oh yeah. Cause that's what I, I, that's what I've been trying to do more lately is try to build it in of, well, I don't know many outside players. How can I just fill it with former Rockies as best I can? It's always that's good. A, that's what's fun of, of games like that. You know, I always talked about the, the, the baseball name game and stuff, but, but this immaculate inning thing is really cool to kind of get those guys. I watched a lot of those TikTok guys, you know, mm-hmm. these brainiacs, the the main journalists, do, and they, you know, they strive to get the lowest percentage guys chosen, and it's it's really cool, and it's it's even better. I saw some that were just strictly Rockies, and I was like, yes, that's that's what I like to that's what <laughs> I like to see. But one last thing that you know to wrap Jamie Wright up is uh you know found an, an old article and he was asked you know about his perseverance in the game and this was his quote this is quote the reason i did it was because i love the game and i love to be on that mound right said i wish any baseball fan any baseball lover got the opportunity to be on that mound and know what it feels like to stand in front of five fifty thousand people I'm starting to cry because I loved it that much. I loved it that much. And then I get all emotional. <laughs> but you know, that was that was that was that guy that I look at and he was a grinder. <laughs> yeah, that's what what they love. That's what a typical Rocky guy that grinds and gets through everything and let's see uh, I'm trying to face <laughs> stalk him on the internet here. And from what I can tell, for the most part, just being a dad again these days, like a lot of these guys. Kind of being a dad, helping with probably coach his sons and everything. Find him here on Instagram. Following his, teaching his kids, helping his boys, and just being a dad and everything. So it's good to see when they're in their bio, it says loving husband, three-time father. Those are the first things he puts. And then 19-year yes, MLB vet. So yeah, just a little thing there, but good for him. Glad to see at least he's continued to just keep on keeping on being a good dude. And we always appreciate guys like that to just see that they're, they're doing well in their post playing days. (laughs) Just being, just being regular dudes. But moving on now from Jamie, Wright, We'll move on to another pitcher named Jamie and, who's still like at least another ninth <laughs> what another at least maybe around 10 years older than Dustin is right now and when he pitched for the Colorado Rockies in the old man Jamie Moyer pitching for the oh, Rockies in 2012 man. this is an interesting one to talk about <laughs> and well first I'll throw it to Dustin now for Jamie Moyer's career path and and how he ended up here Jamie Moyer, the left-handed pitcher, born in 1962 from Pennsylvania, drafted by the Chicago Cubs in the 1984 draft, and made his major league debut in 1986, and made his way to the Rockies in the 2012 season. He was a one-time All-Star and a 2008 World Series champ, but... Jamie Moyer, 
who went from the Cubs to the Rangers to the Cardinals to the Orioles to the Red Sox to the Mariners is where a lot of us remember him. Uh, and then with the Phillies, where he won a, a World Series. And then that dreadful season of 2012 as a 49-year-old uh, throwing little Frisbees, <laughs> little dog treats, you know, to the big dogs. And I carumba. So in that one year, the, the short time he was with the Rockies, he went two and five. We'll talk about that, one of those wins. And he actually got 36 strikeouts yeah. versus 18 walks. But it was a bloated 570 ERA as a Colorado Rocky. <laughs> and thankfully, he ended up... Um, you know, going off to greener pastures after his time with the Rockies as he then tried to, you know, he got released by the Rockies halfway through the season. He signed with the Orioles, but then two weeks later was released, signed on with the Blue Jays, and then was released a couple weeks later. So that was it for him in the majors. Um <laughs> Holy cow. Just even going through that, I just, you know, that 2012 season was an absolute bonkers of a year mm -hmm. with the Rockies. You look at the starting Ross, the starting pitchers and you, Jamie Moyer, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And panic cores filled and you, you knew that this is not good. This is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, piggyback systems, four-man rotation, 75-pitch limits, injuries galore. Jeff Francis comes in and pitches the most innings after joining the team in June. Yeah. 2012 and 2023 are two seasons we will purge from our memories forever. Oh, man. But there were some notable things with Jamie Moyer, because I remember following that story. And, no, they signed to the minor league no <laughs> minor league contract invite to spring training. You're like, okay, well, this is just a good like PR story. You know, we both like the movie The Rookie, and even then, that guy had some longevity still to his life because he wasn't 49 years old. But yeah, it, it seemed like that kind of thing of oh, this is just a pu publicity stunt. Rocky's just trying to get some good PR or something, a good story. They love their stories, but then. It's announced like, hey, he's going to be your number two starter to start the season. And you're like, what? <laughs> uh -huh? <laughs> <laughs> so he makes the roster. And <laughs> I, I wrote an article about this over at purpleroad.com in, in 2021 titled the time that time the Rockies had an old man pitch. And so I familiarized myself with this story pretty good because I just love it so much. Just the, how absurd it is. And it's just so funny to me. So he signs in January, 2012 and he eventually makes the open day roster spot. This is a guy that's fastball doesn't go higher than 80 miles an hour. Oh, <laughs> whatever other pitches he has, he has a slow ball and a slower ball is pretty much what he throws. So he starts the second game of the season and he takes a seven, three loss against the Astros. And this would begin his quest to become the oldest pitcher to win a baseball game in major league history. Next attempt came on April 12th, 2012 facing Madison Bumgarner and the San Francisco giants and bad defense, bad offense. And he gets stuck with another loss. <laughs> they lost by a score of four to two. So not terrible. And so it keeps going. Next attempt. It comes against San Diego at home at Coors Field against San Diego Padres. And this is on April 17th, 2012. And this is when he makes history. They beat the Padres five to three. And he becomes the oldest pitcher in Major League Baseball history to win a game at 49 years old. At 49 years and 150 days old. Replacing Jack Quinn. And 
There's an immaculate grid to answer for you. Jack Quinn, don't have much info on him. But he not only got the win, he pitched seven innings, allowing just two runs on six hits and striking out one, which was Cameron, which was Cameron Mabin. He had 12 ground balls in that game. And about a month later, he beats his own record. On May 12th, 2012, he gave up one run in six in a third innings against the Diamondbacks at Coors Field. He also became the oldest player ever to drive in a run. So he had an RBI, he drove in a run and became the oldest player once again, breaking his own record to become the oldest player to ever win a baseball game. So pretty interesting. (laughs) If nothing else, cool that he was able to set those records. It's just like that movie with Bernie Mac where he's coming no, back. No, Mr. 3000. <laughs> but it was just like, but then you hear that says, you're like, wow, at 49, he could still do that? Mm-hmm. You know, six well, and a third inning, that, dang. Well, here's the cool thing. So he made 10 starts in total before he was released in June. He pitched at least five innings in all but one of them. Had a mixture of a blazing 70 mile, 78 mile per hour fastball and off speed slower than that. So he induced a lot of weak contact, got a lot of ground balls. He str- and struck out 36 while only walking 18. So <laughs> he was that crafty old. He was basically the old guy that was in Major League. Oh, he was Ed Harris. He was Ed Harris. What's that stuff? <laughs> Haven't got an arm like you. <laughs> Someday you will too. But mm-hmm. it, that's, oh, Jamie Moyer. And, you know, oh, man, I just get, I just got all the bunch of anxiety just remembering. And, oh, yeah, <laughs> cool. But just again, remembering what the setup was for that 2012 season, the piggybacks and this old man going out there and still. But then it is, it's, it, as you're talking though, it is cool that, you know, he did have a little bit of success, but overall, his whole career, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And I always root for those guys because I turned into one of those where I couldn't just gas it past people. You actually have to pitch, you know, hitting spots, working up and down, side to side, mixing up your, your pitches and stuff. And so that's, you know, I bet Jamie Moyer, they call him up right now and he's ready to go. That, that old <laughs> wing's ready to. <laughs> lob them in there you know maybe she's that would get that guy would be a great bp throw the home run derby thrower yeah <laughs> especially if it's john carlos stanton ready to rock and roll yeah so in that one start he didn't go at least five innings <laughs> it came against the marlins and this was the shortest outing of the year uh he gave up four runs in five of his final six starts with the rockies so Sure, he was giving them five innings, but they weren't very good innings. But in three and a third innings pitched against the Marlins that, in that season, he gave up six runs on nine hits, capped off by a Giancarlo Stanton grand slam that I still think about to this day, and I'm still not sure that thing ever landed. They found a ball. They found some sort of like ball-looking thing on Mars once. They sent a picture that looked like a baseball. I'm pretty sure that was Giancarlo Stanton's grand slam it rammed into the (laughs) into the scoreboard and broke the marlins scoreboard with how hard that thing was hit r.i.p so when i think of jimmy moyer when i think of jimmy moyer it's that's what that's all that consumes that idea is that grand slam nobody even had time to turn their necks turn their heads because it was out that fast Mm -hmm. poof could you imagine if he had hit it at Coors Field? That thing would have ended up in in, in Fort Collins. It would have ended up in Greeley. <laughs> they would have been calling on Nor from NORAD saying, why is there a projectile flying out of Coors Field? It is now in orbit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, John Carly, he's hit some at Coors Field. All right. But if it was that same one, Holy cow. That was, that, that's all I remember mm-hmm. is Jamie Moore getting lit up uh, against the Marlins. Yeah. 
He'd get roughed up one more time at the end of May by the Cincinnati Reds. He'd give up seven runs on seven hits, gave up four home runs in a 7-5 loss. And then shortly after that, the Rockies designated for him for assignment and released him. And Jim Tracy you know, stated, I just felt like, like that by sending him out there, we were compromising him and the team at that point, which yeah, you don't want to tarnish that guy's legacy because he did have a good, solid career, a memorable you know, yeah. career. Notable. You don't want him to just be a laughing stock and, well, you know, we can't just send him out there every game. Mm-hmm. And you're you're worried about this elderly man up there and they got balls hitting off of the, the scoreboards and <laughs> it just wasn't any good more, any more shim. <laughs> oh, man, it's just crazy to think of those times. Mm-hmm. But it, it is a great guy. Uh, I remember never hearing any complaints from Jamie Moyer, uh, being grateful to still be in the game. And he, I think he's just one of those guys that went about it the right way. And Mm -hmm. that's, you know, these guys that do it the right way and they have that longevity, they adjust to the times and how they went. Now is he, was he an all-star? Yeah, no, he was once, but was, is he a hall of famer? No. Does he have some cool memorabilia in the Baseball Hall of Fame? Yes. But uh, Jamie Moyer that kept a lot of guys' hopes alive. Shoot, if Jamie Moyer can do it, maybe I'll keep I'll keep grinding. You think now in today's game, pretty much the only guy with that kind of a feel is... is uh, yeah, Nelson Cruz now and Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, for, for those of the offensive guys. But pitching-wise is Kyle Hendricks. Rich Hill, with the with Rich Hill, uh, but those guys that aren't blazing the radar guns, but they're hitting their spots. You know, Hendricks there with the Cubs, he's a, he's a mid eighties, lower eighties guy, hitting the dots, mm-hmm. and up and down, and you get that same kind of feel. You know, Rich mm-hmm. Hill dropping his arm to all these different angles. Throwing now the frisbee, the sweepers and stuff, but you know Jamie Moyer was one of the last of his kind. Yeah, and it's crazy that the, yeah, the stats of you know when he made his major league debut, he was still pitching against you know the, those old timers, Hall of Famers, and then when he finished, it was you know he was playing pitching against uh, you know. Bryce Harper making his debut and that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And the cool thing too is one thing we see with the Rockies, they love their veteran mentorship. And you know, Jamie Warrior was able to be that kind of guy, you no, know, not as long, but still able to kind of be there. Willene Rosario, the baby bull, you know, had this uh had a quote that said he's a guy that likes to fight, he likes to have fun, he enjoys playing, we can learn from him. And then Jim Tracy, again, another statement after they released him. There's no difference in the man. There's no difference in his will to compete. So the mind was willing, but the the flesh was weak for Jamie Moyer. For sure. Still, just a fun, still, a, what a disaster of a move and absurd thing. But still, I just love that story and just love the, the idea of him pitching for the Rockies. So That's absurd. It, he's, in, he's in the record books. Mm-hmm. You know, we can just wait for Bartolo Colon to come out of retirement and say, hey, you know, see if he can break that one. But uh, Jamie Moyer, thanks, buddy. Yeah. And he went on, you know, continued to continue to do great, you not know, just charity work, you know, being an analyst for, I think he did the Phillies. He's been an analyst for the Phillies and you know, recently inducted into the Seattle Mariners Hall of Fame past several years. I think like in past couple of years, he was there doing a lot with the Moyer foundation with his wife being a, being a, a grandfather and everything. So just a nice solid dude. He'd be one of those kind of cool old guys. You just kind of want to sit and chat baseball with. Oh yeah. For long of his career and those players that he played against and played with throughout the span of his career, super interesting. I think that's, you know, he does a great job of what he does. And, and a lot of the, the charity work that, a lot of these baseball players do. It's amazing stuff. And uh-huh. that's the stuff that's more important than baseball. Uh-huh. And I think when they have that platform to be able to do good, 
and help others. That is, that's, I think that's like what an athlete is, they should be. Hmm. And, you know, making a, a big difference in, in people's lives. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. And he's still kicking and you still got time, Dustin. You can, you can catch up to him. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I still got 12 years so I could break his. Yeah. Maybe when I was, when I was 50, so <laughs> give me, give me 12 years. We'll see what state the Rockies are in then. Yeah. You <laughs> still got time. Unless Ichiro, de- unless Ichiro decides to come out of retirement and become a pitcher. Come out back out. Do it. He he do it. If you ever seen him throw, throw BP, he'll come in there and he'll sling it. Yeah. So that's Jamie Moyer, the old man wonder. He disappeared as mysteriously as he arrived throwing 70 miles an hour and then rode off into the sunset crazy stuff that's how weird that 2012 season was for the colorado rockies they had a 49 year old as their number two starter so that's what's mind-boggling Jeez. yeah just goes to say the, the desperate times call for desperate measures and they're not very good measures for the rockies in those desperate times but good for him uh but that's going to move us on here to our last Jamie of this episode, a Rocktober hero of Ooh. the 2007 team. Just a brief two-year career with the Rockies. It's one little Jamie Carroll who will round it Jamie out. Jamie Carroll. So oh, yeah. Get away, Dustin. He was a second baseman, third baseman, shortstop. He was just that, that utility guy in the infield. Uh, he was born in 1974 in Evansville, Indiana. He was drafted by the Montreal Expos in the 14th round of the 96 amateur draft out of the University of Evansville. Uh, He ended up making his debut in 2002 as a member of the Montreal Expos. And he ended up making stops. He played for Montreal, then came over to Colorado and played the 2006 season, which had a really good season. And then in the t- 2007 season, the Rocktober season, he was more that utility guy um, platooning over with Kazmat Sui at second base. And he ended up then being traded to the Cleveland, to Cleveland, then went over to the Dodgers, to Minnesota, and finished out his career with the Royals. So a solid 12-year career is always that middle infield, third base, uh, player and you know he was he'll go down he'll always be remembered in Rockies history for for what play there Skyler well that would be the sacrifice fly to right field to score Matt Holiday who did touch home plate in the 2007 game 163 wildcard tiebreaker against the San Diego Padres yeah, and that's that's what I always think of Jamie Carroll, just being a hard-nosed player. A, a, you know, in, in my baseball world, it's a dirtbag grinder, a dirty uniform. He's there, put him in whatever position, and he's going to give it 100%. He's going to drop down a sack, a sack bunt. He's going to move the runner over. He's going to get on base, try to steal or just cause chaos. And And I just still remember – that high pitch and he just went with it, took it that way. You know, that thing, I always think of him pushing the ball through the right side. And I remember when he put that ball in the air and I said, that is not deep enough. That is not, that's not going to get us. And they still sent him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm so nervous. (laughs) But But he got up. Yep. But don't ask Padres fans, they still deny it. Nah. But it, for some reason, Jamie Carroll seems like one of those guys that I thought he was a Rocky for longer, but just two seasons. And he seems like he just seems like one of those guys like, oh, yeah, he probably was with there for like four years. No, it was just two. Yeah, it was just a, a quick stint. 
you know, and like we're saying, as we're looking back and looking at the the stats, that 2000, they, they picked him up from the Nationals, okay, picked him up real cheap, and he was a solid starting second baseman that 2006 season. Batted 300, you know, had 10 steals, um, 36 RBI. He uh, led hits. He led all defensive, led all second baseman and fielding percentage that season. Had just a couple yeah. of errors. Yeah, he, he just seems like one of those guys of, oh yeah, he, he was around for a while, but just a flash of the pan. But 2007, he gets... Now, one of the most impactful at bats in Rockies history <laughs> with that sack fly. And I know you mentioned he's you know, those dirt bat grinders because it was like him and Jeff Baker and, and some of those guys like Corey Sullivan, Ryan Spielborgs, they're in 2007, kind of leading that bench. And I can't remember, it's in that documentary, 21 Days. No, whatever. You can find that on YouTube. But they had the t-shirts. I can't remember what their, their goon squad oh, yeah. or something like that. Uh, they had their t-shirts and kind of their, you know, they lived up, they knew what their role was and they performed it well, you know, and he could have been one of those guys that, you know, maybe he felt, could have felt jaded or, you know, ripped off after that strong 2006 season. And then they bring in a second baseman to replace him for the most part. And you, know, you could probably feel slighted, but no, he f- still fills in his, his role with the team and you no, know, a, a, Consummate professional team player is what I think of with Jamie Carroll, that the team could still trust in an important situation with the game on the line. They could trust him to to get the ball in play. You know, and that's what that's what he was. He was he was a contact guy. Put the bat on the ball. You know, slap it through somewhere. And but I do remember I said with the game on the line like this, and oh, it's Jamie Carroll. Like we're wanting the big, the big pop, you know, and he put, put the bat on the ball and, and the rest is history as they say, but Mm -hmm. you know, he's a, a guy that throughout his solid hitter, he had, you know, solid years with these other teams that he went, he was a contributor. Um, and just a good guy, like you said, that that team, the Jeff Baker and the Corey Sullivan, Brian Spielborgs, that group, it feels like that's something the Rockies have have not they they haven't had for a while. Where there was a squad that, of course, in the Bud Black era, you got a different lineup every single day. But it was back then. It was these are the dudes, and these are the guys that are going to go in situational players. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what Jamie Carroll fit that. And as you said, when they bring in Kazmat Sui and it's like, well, what are you going to do with Jamie Carroll now? And you got Tulo is short, Matsui, you got Helton over at third Garrett Atkins. And where is he? Where does he fit? You know, and he was just that guy. Put me in whenever you need, wherever you need me. And he go go and perform. Yeah. Uh, speaking of one of those situations, uh, he hit his first career grand slam, August 11th, 2007 as a pinch hitter against somebody we've mentioned here, Chicago Cubs pitcher, Rich Hill in 2007, hit his first career grand slam as a pinch hitter. And the Rockies went on. It was (laughs) in the sixth inning. It was to break a two, two tie Rockies went on to win 15 to two. And Carroll went one for two with two runs and five runs batted in. Nice. In that game. And then, you know, about a month later, month and a half later, he's hitting the game, the game winning sack fly to score Matt Holiday. Nice. You know, and, and looking at his career stats too, position wise, yes, he was no, he was, he played the most time at second base, then third base, shortstop. But he got a few games as an outfielder, and he pitched one inning with the Twins, and has a zero um, ERA, zero a zero ERA. So, you know that's there you go. that's something special. Yeah, 
if for, <laughs> for me as a position, if I was a position player, that's something that I would always hope that I got a chance to do. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm a fan of the position pitchers going in. You know, you get to see either some guys that just pump gas and you're like, oh, dang. But then you got those guys that throw the, the butterfly, you know, the EFIS pitches or the, the wannabe knuckleballs. I remember one position player that it was like, it was a legit floating knuckleball. <laughs> and Or you see the EFIS the and then you get dotted with an 80 mile an hour fastball. Mm-hmm. Um, or when they just get ripped and you're like, well, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what would happen. But that's really cool. If I was a position player that pitched the zero ERA, like, bam, you know, that's, that, that's a pretty cool thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking here, Jamie Carroll end up, uh, effectively retired in 2015 when he joined the Pittsburgh pirates as a special assistant, to the GM in the front office. And he did that until 2022. So after seven years and then uh, wasn't quite able to find what he's been up to nowadays, but you know, that and just being a dad, probably coaching, you know, the, those guys all kind of end up doing the same kind of things. They continue to spread the knowledge while being dads and or find other ventures type of things. Uh, but he does have a brother that was the head coach at Evansville. So the Evansville purple aces. So maybe you ended up helping out over there too. And it seems like a lot of former Rockies had, you know, those ties in to help out with the, with the pirates. And I'm pretty sure, you know, the Clint hurdle influence mm-hmm. over there. Oh, there's the, the connection of Kyle Freeland also played for the Evansville purple aces in 2014 where Jamie Carroll was there in 1996 as an All-American. So it's all interconnected. And who was Kyle Freeland's head coach? Wes Wes Carroll. So Jamie Carroll's brother was the head coach when he was there, or when Kyle Freeland's there. Interesting. It's all connected. One way or another. Yeah, but good on Jamie Carroll. Just a solid little role player. Had a very unique face. Not much else I can say. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, and his time with the Rockies was so short. But as we said, he did that. He had that that uh, one ball in play that sealed the deal to get into the, into the playoffs that 2007 season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll always be eternally grateful for Jamie Carroll. Yeah, it, it, he's basically in that same book as Tony Walters in the yep. 2018 wild card. He hit Tony, <laughs> little Tony two bags, hits it up the middle for the little base knock. And Jamie Carroll, same type of thing, a little base knock. Or not the base knock, but slaps the ball in play. Risky play, but it ends up being the difference maker. So they've etched their names in the record books and Rocky's immortality, much like Jamie Moyer who is still very, very old. (laughs) (laughs) But that I think that's going to do it here for this edition of Every Rocky Ever, the Jamie episode. Uh, Three unique, different Jamies, each with different little career paths and stints with the Rockies, but all in their own way, impactful in one way or another, for better or for worse, whatever it may be. they, they, They made names for themselves in Rockies history whether it just be longevity, setting records, or immortal hits uh, to to create history. So it's it's cool to see just all these different paths that these guys could take and everything. But any last words you want to add here, Dustin? No, just as, as always, we're looking at other suggestions. Who would you like us to, to cover? Uh, who are some of those most memorable Rocky ever that you, that you have and share your, your memories of what makes these guys special as we get talking, you know, it might not be that they were the, the biggest name player, but somehow in some way they were special to you. And we'd like to share those, have you share those thoughts and put them out there so we can give a little shout out to all of those players that have made, they've put on the purple pinstripes 
and make all of this possible. Mm-hmm. And my goal is, I would love to get Clint Hurdle on here. And he's on the tw- he's on the Twitters or the X, or whatever it's called these days. Elon Musk's billions dollar mistake. Uh, he's on there, and my goal is to get him. We would love, or any of these guys. If you're a former Rocky listening to this, follow us on Twitter. Reach out to us. We'd love to have you on the show and, and talk to you and chat with you about your career with the Rockies. There's a couple, especially those guys Dustin mentioned. No. That may not have had the the big bright careers, but we're still solid members or had those stints with the Rockies put on the purple pinstripes. They're part of the history and we want to celebrate celebrate that 30 year history and shine a light on these guys that no may not otherwise get it or may have never gotten it type of thing. And that's the fun thing about this. But uh you can follow us on Twitter at Rocky or at Rocky MTN Rooftop, as well as at every Rocky Ever. Uh, you can also find me at sideline underscore crowd on the Twitter X and which sounds like a weird, <laughs> a weird prescription drug. Uh, and then you can find us in at Mr. T Spanish school is in session. So can we expect more TikTok trash can kicks? Yeah, we'll see. We'll start uh, warming up the old, the old Legarino. Mm. Also got to get ready for uh, your more, Avalanche content since Kale McCarr is the NHL 24 cover athlete. Oh, yeah. Which, fun fact, Larry Walker's the only Rocky that's ever been a cover athlete. For, uh, I think it was All-Star Baseball on the 64 and Game Boy in like 97 or 98. Nice. Something like that. But, anyways, (laughs) Larry Walker will have his day. We'll talk about him eventually, but that'll do it here for this episode. Thanks as always for hopping along. You can find us on your, wherever you find your podcast, feel free to leave us a five-star review, help support the show, get it out there help us grow it out. And also be sure to check out affected by altitude, our flagship podcast talking about the Rockies. Uh, we haven't had a couple of episodes the past couple of weeks. We've been busy, but we should have one this coming Monday as well. So, Fun stuff. Always things going on. But I've been Skyler. That's Dustin. This has been Every Rocky Ever. Until next time. Goodbye. I realized I did the entire show with Affected by Altitude up there. And recording.